Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Welcome to the business strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help overworked CPAs go down to 40 hours and then down to 25 hours without giving up revenue. My name is Geraldine Carter, and my guest today is Melissa Downs. Melissa, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. I'm pleased to be here. So this episode is for folks who just feel completely buried and are at or close to the end of their rope. Because we're talking today with Melissa, who, like I said, is a repeat guest and in her second round of Down to 40 Hours. What we want to talk about is the difference between where you were in April of 2023 compared to where you are now in the middle of November, and it's rather significant. And what I want is for listeners to hear what's possible in that time frame since you started. It's been a little over six months. So if listeners want to catch up on our previous episode, it's back in August. So just scroll back in your podcast player. It's episode 258. Before we dig in here, Melissa, tell us briefly, just in case people didn't hear you before, tell us where you are, who you are, and what you do. So um, my name is Melissa Downs. I'm an enrolled agent um, based out of Kansas City, Missouri. And before me, used to literally do anything for everybody in the tax accounting business world. New me is working with small business owners who are in the two hundred fifty to $500,000 revenue range and are needing additional tax help in, in complexity, whether it's, it's just general business advice that now I have the time to give those people that advice where before I was just grinding and grinding and grinding through every tax return that came through the door. Awesome. So let's go back to the grinding just to give people a sense of where you were back in April or early May. How many hours a week were you working? What kind of, what it feel like? What was going on inside your office? We are an office of four, um, two preparers, one reviewer, and an admin, and we produced 900 tax returns in, in that season. So gr- grind, yeah. grind, grind. I was just going to say, like, how many hours typically in a given work week during tax season and outside of tax season were you working? We easily were putting in uh, 50, closer to 60 hours every single week during tax season, and then we would drop back down to our 40 post-season. Okay. Even though we talked recently, as recently as August, you've still continued to make progress. And it's like all the stuff that you implemented over the summer. And now you're on the far side of those decisions. And you've experienced quite a bit of change in the last couple of months. And that's really what I want to dig into today. Give listeners a sense of where you were in August. You had just disengaged a whole bunch of clients 
Can you tell us like roughly how, what percent that was, how many it was, how many stayed, how many left? So of our 900 or so tax clients, my goal was to keep roughly 100 to 150 individuals. And because they all have small businesses, that would equate to about 250 to 300 tax returns. Um, that was my goal. And I'm pretty sure we've definitely gotten that goal. My only fear going forward is that I'll continue to say yes, but we're sticking with the we've hit capacity and I'm really sorry. So um, next year, instead of doing 900 plus, we're doing 300 or below tax returns for for the same staff of four. For the same staff of four. Okay. And what does the money forecasted look like to be? Because there are a lot of listeners who are like, oh my God, you cut your client base in a third, you're going to have a third of the revenue. Um, I will not have a third of the revenue. My revenue will drop because full disclosure, one of the members that left was um, a principal here. And so when their salary has left, I can easily let that revenue go as well. And I've hired in someone who's earning less, but my prices have doubled and if almost tripled on some people for different products. And I am projected to make the exact same net profit by this time next year. Exact same net profit, a third of the clients, and replaced a principal with a different staff member in that role. Correct. Awesome. So same net profit. What does this mean for your time? Where are you forecasted? How many hours a week are you forecasted to be working through tax season and then after tax season next year? So tax season, I suspect I'll be close to 40, but hopefully not going over 40 just because um, there's way less tax returns. And I don't want to be in the office if I don't have to be. And then post tax season, um, I'm living in it right now. And I think I may be put in 20 hours a week of actual work. I should probably leave the office (laughs) the other 15. So, oh, interesting. What happens that you're staying the other 15? Well, I, you know, I'm trying to be supportive of the staff. I'm I'm still living in the old mindset of if I'm not there, are they doing anything? But I trust them and they did phenomenal when I was on vacation. And I came back and probably should have just gone longer to vacation because we we did so well. Like I came back to maybe 15 phone calls or appointments needed and I was gone three weeks. Yeah. And when you were gone, you were gone, gone. You weren't like checking in every day gone. I was legitimately off the grid. Like no, no signal even. <laughs> no signal. I mean, I mean, there was a signal, but like nobody contacted me. I was not contacting them. There were no fires. We did no clients left. It just worked because they knew their roles and they did them. And we set up all of the systems so that all of the clients were taken care of and it wasn't an issue. Yeah, I dig in a little bit more, even though you kind of just answered it. How is it that there were no fires? Because I think that's the first place some people's minds will go is like, but oh my God, three weeks, imagine the fires I'm going to come back to. Yeah, so I, over the summer, me and my other main staff member, we discussed like how we wanted to rearrange the office. So I took the lead on all of the strategy sessions in client meetings. She took the lead on the daily operations. Um, Her and the other two staff members work as a team to make sure all of the day-to-day operations are taken care of. And so I just step in when there is a higher level need or meetings with the clients need to happen. It's as simple as that. She loves it. I love it. The clients are like, cool, as long as I have my questions answered, life is great. I love it too. I love it for you. So this was an important thing. 
that I think was kind of heavy on your mind way back, way back, way back in April, May, is that your firm is something of a family firm. And rightfully so, I think you had concerns about protecting the legacy and the brand and some pressure to shepherd that wisely. It felt like a very big factor in the whole process. And I'm wondering now that you're on the other side, how does that feel? Do you feel like you have accomplished what you wanted to, or do you think you've completely tarnished the name of the family business? So um, it was interesting because I've had a couple of client meetings from the last time we spoke in, in August to now. And I wanted to hear from the clients because I sent out, you know, 800 something letters to these clients letting them know things were changing. And I wanted to hear their thoughts and feelings. A good chunk of them that I wanted to keep said yes. And they were like, that makes sense. I understand. Your mom has left. Things are going to adjust. And then I did have a couple, because I'm not going to lie to everybody, that were in their minds justifiably upset. They were lower income. They'd been with us for 40, 50 years. They just couldn't afford it, but they really still wanted to stay. And so I looked at those on a case-by-case basis, had discussions with them. It is possible I might have negotiated a couple of things with just a few. At the end of the day, then I knew that they still wanted, they still liked us and they still wanted to utilize us and they still trusted us. Um, and I and I understood back with them that, yeah, price is a, a large concern when, you know, you live on $30,000, dollars $50,000 a year. I also gave them other resources because I wasn't just going to leave them out in the cold. And they respected that as well. So I think um, at the end of the day, you just have to talk to the clients. Yes, some are going to be upset. Most are going to accept what you've requested because they don't want to go anywhere else. And they know you're going to produce quality products and quality service year after year. So I want to get into the mindset that you have now. And now that you know, six months is enough time to look back and feel like that person who was thinking that certain way is sort of in the distant rear view to have greater objectivity about it, right? It's like you're that much farther removed. Now that you're, you know, on the backside of a three-week totally disconnected vacation and came back to no fires and, you know, a short list of things that you could reasonably handle and a sort of 25-hour work week with an extra 15 that you stay around for good measure, why not just keep going the way you were maxed out all the time? The maxed out version of me was unsustainable. I was literally on the verge of burnout. Looking back, all the signs were there. Stressed out to the T, not sleeping at night, waking up in the middle of the night thinking about, did you forget to do this client's checkmark box or something on the tax return? Not having fun with friends, not having a life outside of the office. Health was going down into the crapper. All, all the things that you hear, and by the way, I'm not even 40 yet. And I was spiraling the drain. And so this was exactly what I needed when I needed it because my mom was retiring. I was stepping up. I was terrified because what do you do? How do you run this place? And all of those questions and fears were calmed and that confidence was built. And I made the firm the way I wanted the firm to be going forwards. And I think the clients will appreciate this new version. It's like easy now. I don't know. There's just no other words to describe it. It's just, it's calm and cool and collected and it's easy. 
In terms of getting out of this, like working your way out of the, you know, stressed out to the hilt and health is kind of spiraling, all the burnout signs are there. I think some people, they're like, how do I get out of this? And some people are really reluctant to let go of clients because of the fear of it being linked to letting go of revenue. So why not just keep all your clients and find a different way? I think the reason I personally could not keep all of my clients is I truly had a volume problem. They were all wonderful people. I understood all of that, but not all of them needed the skill set that I have. And it's not a, a conceited thing, but I'm better than just doing a basic 1040. Like I've gone to school. I have all of this additional knowledge. I wanted to work with the people that wanted to utilize those skills as well. and. Luckily for me, those people also pay higher fees to get that knowledge. And I also had those specific clients requesting meetings, but I couldn't have them because I was too busy still cranking out 1040s, you know, for 18 hours a day. You you have to understand what the overall problem is before you can start to diagnose and then how do you try to fix it? Because um, it it's not going to be the same answer for every person. So some people might be wondering, well, why not just hire? Because you hired one, not why not just hire three? So for me, I did. That was one of the questions I asked myself. If I hire three more people, are they going to produce the exact same quality that the clients are used to? Then if I hire three more people, who's going to manage those three people? Well, if I now have to manage them, I'm not doing my own work. And I actually enjoy the work that I do. So it came down to hire people that I think can maybe do the job, maybe, or unfortunately let go of the clients that were the extra and the overfill, and then just do the work that I love doing for the people that wanted it. And what about technology? Like, why not just use zaps and apps and figure out how to get ChatGPT to write your emails? Because we'd already done that. <laughs> I thought we, I mean, we had our processes down. We could turn around something very, very quick. And it wasn't the efficiency. Our office was incredibly efficient. We literally had a volume problem. I'd gone around thinking, oh, I just need a new program that's going to help me do this. And if I'll hire, you know, something like Gruntworks and they'll help input the data. But it's not that because you still have to review the data and you still have to be the the manager of it all, and I could do it faster. So I just didn't like any of those ideas. Um, I went through them, I fleshed them out. And I said, does this feel good? And they did not. Does this feel good? And it did not. It did not. So tell me what you mean. Like, because why would you make a decision based on whether or not it feels good? Because well, number one, I'd have to live with that decision. And then number two, I'd have to implement that decision. And not, nobody wants to do something if they know they already hate it going into it. Don't get me wrong. Pricing was tough. But it was for the greater good. And I knew what it was. I knew what it should look like on the other side. And I, I started small and then I built the confidence and we kept going. And now I'm at a stage that because again, everybody kept saying, yes, I could keep raising the bar inch by inch. And my numbers, I kind of chuckle at them because I cannot believe that they're at this high for me, even though I'm sure it's not as high for other people. But for me, it was a good stretch and I feel confident and I feel happy with this level for this year. We'll see what happens next year. Yeah. One step at a time, I kind of talk about pricing like muscles, like you want to stretch them, but not so much you snap. It's not good. 
I, I could confident I could confidently say these prices to these clients' faces and not like giggle or squirm or go, Ooh, please. Um, and they say yes, and I go, wonderful. Thanks for thanks for sticking around. And they're pleased, I'm pleased, everybody's happy. Uh, everybody's happy. Mutually assured profitability, the double thank you. So how about this question? I mean, why not just work Saturdays when no one else is in the office so you can just get stuff done? We did that. I hated it. I cut Saturdays out last year and um, then you still have to do the work. So now you're working 12 hour days, five days a week, and you still can't turn your brain off. Even if you try to relax, it's like gardening. You have to prune back the bushes and, and stuff to make the new stuff grow. So we had to, and I don't want to call my clients weeds, but some of them are weeds. <laughs> some of them are, some are, well, I mean, you can only fit so many plants in your garden. Otherwise it gets overgrown. It was very overgrown. You can't just keep growing and growing and growing. I mean, I used to have irises that would strangle each other. I had to, because otherwise they would just get all matted and then they wouldn't bloom. And that really pissed me off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that is, that is how you have to treat your accounting practice, like in your tax office. You've got to have the right set of numbers so that everybody, their days are mostly full, but not past capacity. Because again, emergencies happen and you have to have the space to be flexible and do those things. Yes. You have to have extra margin. Otherwise, if you don't, that's when everything just gets jammed up. It becomes like a traffic jam inside your business. Just work just cannot flow through the system. I have a lot of margin now. I don't know what to do with my margin which is a different coaching issue, but yes, we have margin. Yes, this becomes the next problem. This is the transition of 40 down to 25 is like, holy smokes, I have time now. Now what? How do I not self-sabotage and create problems that I then need to show up for? And how do I be? How do I leave the office before my staff do without feeling guilty? How do I not like nervously check my email just to make sure there's nothing I could do? It's a whole new set of problems because culture is so used to us working 40 hours a week. What counsel or what concepts do you think were most useful in retrospect? I needed to go at it at my own pace, but honestly, I still think doing that capacity planner worksheet was the catalyst to go, you have a serious problem. What would you like to do about it? Then And then that's how we started to go down the decision tree of hire employees, change your systems, try to make them more optimized, or fire. Those tended to be the top three things that I think most of us are going to go through. That Yeah, the capacity planner was such a wake-up call for me because, again, I'm going to... I went back to you and I said, your your planner is obviously wrong. <laughs> this is for listeners. This is the spreadsheet that kind of ha- like maps out how many returns, how many hours per return, how many hours you have in a week and does it all add up and does it fit? Yeah. And I went, I said, you've obviously have a math error because this is not um, feasible, what I have on my plate. And you said, no, it's, it's right. And I then had to go back and I think I did five variations. And after the third, I think I got so mad that I really just went to the other extreme. And I was like, great. If I literally cut everything down and then it worked and I was like, oh crap, that must be the answer. And then we figured out how to make that a reality. And that was a lot of coaching and that was a lot of handholding and a, a lot of disbelief. And you have to sit with it for a while and you go, okay, this might be my new reality. How exciting does this really sound? And by gosh, golly, I loved it. 
So it's what we did. <laughs> yeah, that spreadsheet, it's like it shows you when you're trying to shoehorn a size nine foot into a size six shoe. It's like it just won't go in. You're like, God damn, like, I can't make these numbers work. Yeah, I was like, your, your spreadsheet's got to be broken. This cannot be real. <laughs> these formulas <laughs> cannot be correct. I know it's just one plus one, but gosh, it has to equal six, right? Um, and you're like, nope, nope, still two. But uh, yeah, it was the capacity planner. Loved it. I loved like walking through creating three tiers because I tried to do that on my own before I joined you. And I struggled a lot because I couldn't figure out what I needed to put in them to differentiate the categories so well. And I think when I brought that to the clients, they were also a little bit confused because they were like, well, you just do my tax return. Can you not just do that again? It did really help me see the differentiation between clients that were tier like base level one versus those that wanted more and more and more. So the A++ clients versus the D and F clients, which then came into play when we started doing the pricing letters and who do we disengage first. And um, that ranking also was very useful. Try not to do it on a day you're upset. Um, or maybe you should do it on a day you're upset. It depends on how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever is going to get those letters to go out the door. But if you are going to do it on a day that you're upset, maybe have someone do a final proofread of what they say for underlying message. Yeah. Getting those letters out the door and making sure that they sort of strike the right tone and they're, you know, they're simple, they're clear, they're respectful is is a key piece of you being able to get those out the door and still at the end of the day, be able to feel good about it and look yourself in the mirror and know that you made the right decision and that you can feel, even though it was difficult, that you can feel good about the decision because it's right for your business, it's right for your staff, it's right for your clients who are going to go with you. So the capacity planner sounds like was super useful, figuring out the pricing tiers and trying to identify, you know, who kinds of clients for what kind of pricing tiers. Is there anything else over the course of it that was super useful or were those the two main things? Those were the two tactical things. But quite frankly, being able to come to class every single week and say, I've hit this mental roadblock. Is it a roadblock or is it just me getting my own way? Or is it like, what is it? And usually it's your you know, your own self getting in the way, getting past that hump, and then being able to take that next step forward, because it is a whole bunch of little steps forward. It is not big jumps off the off the cliff. Yeah, it's just week by week. It's one thing at a time. It's like, now I've run into this. And then you figure it out, you make progress. And then the next week, now I've run into this. Now what? Just repeat, repeat, pulling out the obstacles week after week. And then you zoom out and you're like, holy moly, look at the progress I've made. I have a whole new firm. And it just feels great. Well, give me a, like a little bit more granular on great. Is it relief? Is it excited? Is it energized? Is it hopeful? It is. I can't believe the the 180 change almost from April to now because I I knew things needed to change back in April. I had no idea what those changes needed to be. So going through this process helped identify what all of the red flags were sort of in my business, like all the things that weren't working for me personally. And then how do we adjust, shift, or just let go? And how do you do that gracefully without losing your mind, your sanity, your compassion, all of it in, involved? And then how do you, I don't want to say build it back up, but how do you only keep the stuff that you love at the end of the day? What, yeah, like how do you navigate all of that while you're also running your firm? 
and make those transformations. If you have today were to tell Melissa of last April that, hey, in six months, I know you can't believe this, but in six months, you're going to be here. Like you're going to have this situation. What do you think April Melissa would have said? First of all, she would have blown you off because she was too busy to even pay attention because um, it was tax season. And then it would have sat with her and made her wake up at 1 a.m. going, what did that lady, crazy lady say? Future me said I could sleep all night long and like have days off and go out of town for three weeks straight and life still turns just fine. What? Now I'm curious. And then you just, I just, you got to start pulling that, that thread because it's there. And if you of today could say something to Melissa of April, or maybe to, (laughs) is this like two future and two past wooey conversations? (laughs) No. For listeners who might be like, I could see how that's possible for her, but I don't think it's possible for me because I have my own special situations going on. I just have too many things that are unique to me and, 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 and. What do you think is helpful for that person to hear? I would encourage that person to get in this group because you might think your problems are unique, but at the heart of it, at the core of it, we all have the exact same issues. Um, of just slightly varying degrees. We're overworked, we're underpaid. We have no idea how to get out of the hamster wheel rat trap. And the only way to do it is with your friends and your teammates to back you up to get you to that other side. And it's possible. It is absolutely possible. It's going to be a lot of work. So you have to be ready for it. But man, it's so worth it. I, I really wish like everybody could be in your group and go through these processes because I mean the rest of the accounting world would be sunk but the rest of like those that go through class we're going to be like flying high and just like cruising by and waving like on the parade float (laughs) all good guys (laughs) (laughs) but it's real yeah it is real it is real and it's it's like you say it's it's not without effort it doesn't come for free we don't want to sugarcoat it but it's absolutely doable totally doable it's totally worth it I I seriously wish more of us would snap out of the old mentality of just, you have to grind. That's all we're worth. Just keep doing it. Hopefully more people will come. They're always, the clients are always going to come. They always need us to do a tax return. They always need us to help them with their bookkeeping. But now I get to decide if they're the right client for me. Okay, last couple of questions before we wrap up. So how do you feel like your client relationships have changed either for the better or for the worse or what have you having made these changes? I think my small business owners feel seen now finally and not just like one of 900. They're now one of 100. So when they want these meetings and I'm begging them to have meetings with me and they're so thrilled because they're like, I do have questions. I'm like, great, let's let's have a chance to talk about it. And they're like, oh. it's like the heavens have opened up for them as well because now there's less confusion for them and now they feel su- more supported by us and then they can keep doing what they're really good at. So they're, they're happy with it. They're thrilled. Is there anything else you think the audience might benefit from hearing that I haven't asked you about? It took me a minute. I, I devoured all of your podcasts before I joined the group. And um, those were very helpful, but I knew I personally needed a little bit more support as well. So that's why I joined 
the the group. Yes, I probably could have done this on my own, but it would have been at a much slower pace and I possibly would have lost speed or sometimes hope along the journey. So by being able to show up every week and and have that accountability partner in you really did help me push forward and get up over all of those speed bumps that I encountered along the way. So I want to thank you for helping me. Oh, well, you are so welcome. It's absolutely a pleasure. It's hard to watch people suffer when they don't need to be. Absolutely. I have friends in my accounting group and my accounting group people are, I see old me in all of them. And I think, gosh, guys, stop, stop swimming so hard. Just take the little buoy or the lifesaver here and get a leg up, help yourself. But what do you think that they're scared of? Like what keeps them? A lot of it is, well, that's good for you. That won't work for me. I don't know if they've actually hit rock bottom for themselves yet. Or that's just the life that that's all they think is possible. Um, so they have they don't want to dream bigger, I don't think. Uh, it's the only thing I can think of is why they haven't done it yet. Because uh, I sing your praises all day long. It's like, you need to call her. <laughs> Get on this podcast. <laughs> Join this club. <laughs> Fix your life. You'll be happy. Just click the red button. Just click all the buttons. Okay. So last question. What are you most looking forward to? For tax season or for life? Because those are two kind of different things for me. I think for tax season, I'm really looking forward to just working what I'm going to call a normal person's hours, aka 40 or less. I'm not really sure what that's going to look like um, in winter because I haven't done that for you know 15 years. So we'll see. But in life, I, I think I'm most pleased that I was able to accomplish this shift, this adjustment, and I've think I've stepped up into this role well and I'm learning as we go you know as as every small business owner learns as they step but the confidence that I think I've gained to be in this spot has absolutely grown and blossomed inside of me and so I'm so thrilled to see what's next because I can take on these challenges now I'm not scared of them I'm not scared of the challenges I can take them on. I can say no now. I love it. It's just, it's such a, a fulfilling sounds, I don't know, kitschy or something, but it's real. It's just, it's a real privilege and a gift to watch people make these transitions to go from feeling overwhelmed and stressed to the nines to feeling confident and looking forward to it because you can just, because you know, you can handle whatever comes your way. Melissa Downs, Thank you so much for coming back on the podcast and sharing your story and your progress. Absolutely. We're going to take over the world. (laughs) Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.